Welcome to the Popish Plotcast. I'm Nate. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. We are three lay Catholics who are attempting to share our love of the Catholic Church with others in the hopes that they might be able to develop their own love for being a member of the Catholic Church. We're just trying to live out our charism of friendship and fun and hope that you find this an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ in his Holy Church. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Popish Plot. I'm Nate. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. And here we are with our continuing uh, look into celebrating Women's History Month mm. by focusing on women saints of the Catholic Church. Yes. And today we are going to talk about St. Edith Stein, also known as St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, which was her name when she joined a religious order after Teresa of Avila and Benedict. And... The fact that the cross, what she converted, was a very big theme in her life. Mm-hmm. Yes, because St. Teresa Benedicta was not always uh, a Catholic. She was, in fact, a convert. And if I recall, she converted under some really, uh, really um, not entirely as usual circumstances. Well, it's safe to say that St. Teresa Benedicta's entire life was lived under rather dramatic times. She was born in Germany in 1891. Yes, although that's now part of Poland. Yes, but it was the German Empire then. Mm -hmm. And And she she was born on Yom Kippur. Nice! Which is a big day because her family was Jewish. Mm -hmm. And she died in 1942, so there's a lot of drama Mm -hmm. in those 50 years. And it's one of the few saints that, because of the situation, the the, the circa on the age is on the day she died, not born. Yeah, yeah. We know when she was born. She died about this time. Mm -hmm. But we'll get into that. Yes. So... So, the 12th of October, 1891. All right. So, first, as we often go over patronage, mm-hmm. she is a patron, one of the six patrons of Europe. She is the patron of converted Jews, of martyrs, mm-hmm. of people who have lost a parent in World Youth Day. So, she's a new one, but she's got a lot of stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, some of them are new things, like World Youth Day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she was the youngest of 11 children. Wow. Good-sized family. All right. Um, She was... Raised Jewish, but she became an atheist around age 14. Mm-hmm. Her father died when she was two, so oh. that's probably why she was the youngest. Yeah, that's didn't awesome. have any more. Yep. Um, she was first of her class in the equivalent of high school at the time. Big brain. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she went on to university. Um, of Breslua. Yep. Breslau. And, you, you, you transposed the Oh, UVA. did she? Mm-hmm. See, I read it as it was typed, so yeah. Breslau. That makes more sense. Uh-huh. And she went in to study German and history, which was basically the the equivalent of, of going and, and signing up to join the community college when, you know, just in case. This was her backup stuff. She's like, these are things I can deal and teach and do things with. Yeah, I can totally do this. This is safe. Yes. So, so what you're saying is, so what you're saying is, she went and she got her degree in, 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 in you know, Liberal at the from the community college and liberal arts and, and you know mm-hmm. but her general real, studies. Her real interest was philosophy and women's studies. Now I'm sure women's studies at that point was in a very embryonic state. Yes, um, in fact, she was a member of the Prussian Society for Women's Franchise. Because at so. the at the mm-hmm. time there weren't a lot of places where women had the right to vote. Yes, one mm-hmm. of the few places was Wyoming. Because mm-hmm. in Wyoming, you just need your own land. We didn't care, you know, what you looked like beside that. Well, and they had so few people that they're like, yeah, sure, we'll count the women. <laughs> Absolutely. Whatever it takes to become a state. Hey, hey if, it, if, it, if it helps can, me can, get in the office. Can the cows count? I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Ted Kelly's so, definitely wagging his tail in my direction. That's, that's clearly a vote for me. But she was so interested in philosophy that she actually transferred to a different school. Yes, she transferred to... Gutzingen. And she was mentored by a, a, a rather famous um, philosophic... I know there's umlauts on it. I, I all right, all right. This so, is not the time, Nate. So Gottingen is actually Göttingen. Yes, uh, who was mentored by... Edmund Husso? Husso? Mm-hmm. Some dude. Yes, yeah. whose ideas actually on philosophy related very well with Christianity. And so like, there was a lot of people that took his classes and became Christian. Oh, nice. Um, he, he was someone who also... He was raised in a family where his dad was Lutheran and his mom was Jewish. So officially, he was Jewish. But, you know, and then later on, he actually was Catholic for a bit. And there's, you know, back and forth. Because he was a philosopher. So, you know, like, I I can't get a really good read on it. Because, you know, by and large, all the stuff about him are from philosophy sites that don't really care about his religion. Sure. Um, And and she also met with another... um, Philosopher named Max Shaler, and he was Catholic at the time and was also born Jewish. And they joined. They they were like about half of this well-known group that um was called the Göttingen Circle of Phenomenology. Phenomenology, yeah. mm-hmm. which is fun. I looked at one site. They gave no info on what that is, but they told you important words for things like. I, I don't even remember, but like elementary level words. Well, nobody ever nobody ever just comments on what phenomenology was. They just say, "Well, these people belong to the phenomenologist school." Well, well, it's fair. It's fair. It's fairly simple. We'll start right here. You know what that part? You know what that yeah, would we're, mean? We're not so breaking the, stu- the word up. It's the study, it's the study of, of phenomenon. phenomenon. That, that phenomenon. T- that tells me phenomenon. Do 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 do. Phenomenon. So World War One happens. Yes, and so she became a nursing assistant at an infectious disease hospital. Because this was a nasty war, and basically everybody got involved. Yeah. Yes. And after that, she went on to get her doctorate hey. and worked as an assistant of her earlier professor. Well, you know, when you're pursuing an academic career, that's kind of what you do. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then um, shortly after this, because it's shortly after World War One, mm-hmm. she went and visited a newly widowed friend, because her husband had died from the war, mm-hmm. and she, the friend had converted to Protestantism. Yeah, it, it, it's on the road. Mm-hmm. And she she was like, you know, she was a, you know, philosophy and uh, mm-hmm. atheist. She's an she's atheistic like, Jewish philosopher. Yes. Yeah, so she's like, oh, you know. Christianity was, is a lightweight thing. Yes. Yeah. You know, she's like, you know. If I, you need that in order, exactly. to get through, in order to get through the night, I suppose that's an okay thing. Uh-huh. But she was incredibly surprised with the fact that her friend was an actual woman of deep faith mm-hmm. and the way that the religion wasn't just a cover up that, you know, helped her pretend like her husband wasn't dead, but yeah, helped her deal with the grief that she was dealing with and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a quote from it that I put down because, again, that explains why she ended up picking the name of the cross as part of her name. Of, Sock it to us. This was my first encounter with the cross and the divine power it imparts on those who bear it. Mm. It was the moment when my unbelief collapsed and Christ began to shine his light on me. Christ in the mystery of the cross. As St. Paul said, you know, He's come to preach nothing but Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've tried, especially you know, in Europe at this time, to do a Christianity without the cross, and it withers and dies. Yes. But although she still had, you know, these, you know, thoughts of spirituality, she, she had to have an actual job and stuff. Yes. So she... <laughs> Cursed practicalities. So she wanted to be get, become a professor and get a professorship. But yeah. 
that was something women did not get at the time. Yep. And it also became an issue because at a certain point it was something that Jews did not get at the time. Well, you know, the state of Jews did not get better in Germany after World War One. Yes, yes. No. So her, her former professor that she was the assistant of wrote her a letter basically saying that if any woman gets this job, she should get this job. Well, that's good. And then she went and spent her time writing articles about philosophy mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. um, the foundations that it connected with psychology. Hmm. Um, she also spent her time reading the New Testament. She was now interested in that. Mm-hmm. And the spiritual exercises by St. Ignatius, um, which was something she said was, you couldn't just read it. You had to, like, experience it. Yep. The spiritual exercises. exercises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in 1921, she visited a fellow student from back in her university days. Yeah. Um, you want to read her name? Hedwig Conrad Maritus. Marie, uh, Martius. Mm-hmm. Who had also converted to Protestantism with her husband. Dang, nabbit. Ah, but while she was there, one night she happened upon the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. Boom. And she started reading it. Mm-hmm. And she continued reading it all night long until she got done. This is one of the true <laughs> turning points in young Edith's life. Yes. Yeah. In fact, when she was done, she said, when I finished the book, I said to myself, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. Because... If there's anybody who experienced in her life the cross, it would be Teresa of Avila. Hmm. You know, she'd been lukewarm. She didn't have her conversion until she was 40. You know, So there, this wasn't a youthful thing. This was a mature woman who was really confronting her own brokenness. Oh, sorry, for a, moment I was, for a moment I was thinking St. Therese, not St. Teresa. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's okay. a piggyback thing. There, there's all Teresa the car- of Avila. All the Carmelites are Teresa's. Who, who, who then inspired Teresa of Lisieux, who inspired Mother Teresa, <laughs> and then back forward. Well, and again, we so have, we have to remember, <laughs> the only reason that Mother Teresa is a Mother Teresa is because when she became religious, in her convent there was already a Therese. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, they were given the title of mother, you know, it was just an honor. Yeah. So many Teresas. So but, so now, something something important is going to happen. So With her Protestant friend, she's encountered the power of the cross. Mm-hmm. In the writings of Teresa of Avila, she's encountered the truth. Mm-hmm. What is her response? Well, on January 1st in 1922, she was baptized. Uh, I don't know exactly how it worked, but her Protestant friend that had the copy of the book, was mm-hmm. her godmother, so I assume they had some other person who was Catholic be the Close godmother. Close you know. And this also happened to be the Feast of the Circumcision of Christ, which is when he became part of the Old Covenant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, she wanted to become a Carmelite right away, because again, I read this book by a Teresa. <laughs> All the Teresas have to be Carmelites. <laughs> it's kind of a rule. Yeah. I'll be like, I'm a Carmelite. You can call me Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, her, her her spiritual mentors discouraged her from going right from being baptized to becoming in a religious order. That's 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 reasonable. <laughs> when you when you've just converted, you've just been reborn, you've got a lot of enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but you may not be thinking things. You may not be making a mature decision. Yes. So she taught at Catholic schools for a while. She was also encouraged by uh, spiritual leaders of her to have speaking engagements mm-hmm. because she had already been doing that as a philosopher. Mm-hmm. And her talks... Again, huge brain. Yes. Her talks were mostly on women's issues of the day and mm-hmm. in, in general. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out for anyone who's studying her, the, the rule is for sainthood is not that your theology is perfect, but for what you know at that time, it wasn't in, you know, heretical error. 
Because this was before, like, John Paul II and said things about how, you know, essentially only men can be priests for this reason. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a gray area where they're like, well, maybe. And so it was it was a theological opinion. And she, as a very feminist person, said, well, I don't see anything, given what I know, that would prevent it. But, you know, that's what she was working with, what she knew. Not, and she, and she was giving her personal opinion, yes. not stating this is doctrinal tooth. Yes. Sure. Because, again, if you, if you start studying her, she was very into women's issues. Mm-hmm. Trust us. In heaven, she completely affirms that only men can be priests. Besides the universal priesthood of all of the believers. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> anyway, she also worked on translating the works of Cardinal Newman and Aquinas. Nice. And wrote her own philosophical works. Um, they largely dealt with her earlier ideas uh-huh. and connecting them with Christianity. Okay. Like, a large percent of the things she wrote before, they weren't against any christian thing but she you know she she saw it now in the light of her religion and wanted to add to it okay jesus christ is the truth so mm-hmm. if you've discovered some you know philosophical mm-hmm. or psychological truth it's not going to contradict jesus christ mm-hmm. okay so I, I know when she was born this is we were getting kind of far into her life i have a pretty good idea of in general the the time period we're in now mm-hmm. and I imagine things are that, that 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 cross, if you will, is going to become a uh, a little more really present in her life somewhere around now. Yes, in 1933, because of the um, laws of the day, she was not allowed to teach because she was ethnically Jewish. Uh, so at that point, she was allowed to enter the Carmelite order. She had been, you know, Catholic for over a decade, and. They, they saw that things weren't, and they're like, well, maybe if you're, you know, cloistered away. Maybe yeah. if we put you here, you'll, you, you, kind of a sanctuary. You'll be, you'll be a little safer. Mm-hmm. Sure. So she, she became a, a Carmelite and took her final vows in 1938. Um, the last time she saw her mother happened to be on her mother's birthday. That's sweet. And it. If you read her things of it, it's really touching. It's very much, she's still always connected with her being Jewish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she talks about them like being, you know, two, you know, sisters. If I forget exactly, you know, what Jewish female importance they, they connected to. But, you Leah know, and Rachel. Yes. Yeah, not those two, but something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, you know, and. Mary um, and her sister Mary. <laughs> and her other sister Mary. Yeah. <laughs> then her cousin Mary came to <laughs> Anyway, um, she continued her studies and writings in the convent. And she also, one of her big things, as most people who know about, you know, people who are in convents, the mm-hmm. nuns that are actually closer away, mm-hmm. is they're there to pray for people. Mm-hmm. So you know, <laughs> They make the world go round. Yes. Teresa of Lisieux got to be the patron of missionaries, having never really gone on any mission besides the mission to get myself into a convent. Having never left her little Carmel in Lisieux. Get thee to a nunnery? Exactly. Because she prayed about that. She was spend her time, as one could expect in her situation, praying for the Jewish people. Um, She says, I kept thinking of Queen Esther, who was taken away from her people, precisely because God wanted her to to plead with the king on behalf of her nation. Amen. I am a very poor and powerless little Esther, but the king who has chosen me is infinitely great and merciful. Mm -hmm. This is a great comfort. Amen. And one of her sisters, Rosa was also allowed to be with her in the monastery because she converted and was a third order Carmelite. So Nice. Um, Plus, again, 
1938. That's the year of Kristallnacht. So it's getting really dire now. Yeah. Yes, yes. And which is why they were sent away to the Netherlands, because it's pretty far from Germany. <laughs> During the First War... Even though the Germans had violated Belgian neutrality, the <laughs> Netherlands had been left alone. So mm -hmm. there was a not unreasonable hope that if war broke out again, the neutrality of the Netherlands might be respected. Mm -hmm. Certainly it was safer than staying in Germany. Yeah. Yes. So um, during the time that she was in Netherlands, the Dutch bishops spoke out against how the Nazis were treating the Jews. Mm hmm which, uh, if you've studied any history where they discuss, you know, why didn't, you know, the Catholic bishops and Pope do more, it's because when they officially did something like this, the result is the Nazis took all the Catholics of Jewish origin and arrested them on August 2nd of 1942. I would just like to point out <laughs> that, this, that this clearly indicates just how crazy Nazism <laughs> is in that when... <laughs> reasonable authorities of the time go and say, you know, the way that you treat this group of people is terrible. Or doubling the, the, the down response being is, Well, we're actually going to grab a whole bunch more of these people and, and take them away to mistreat them even worse. Well, I, the fact that you can't understand it is a very good thing because that's the core of Nazism and it's good that it seems irrational. I'm, I'm, just, yes. I'm just saying. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, like, it's the it's opposite like, of reasonableness. It's like, we're doubling down. Yeah, that's so. that's who they were. <laughs> I got I got a pair of twos. I'm going to double down. That's who they yep. were, and that's why no one misses them. <laughs> anyway, so that was, you know, August 2nd. So it's thought that her and her sister, because she was also taken, being mm -hmm. ethnically Jew, yep. died around the 9th of August. Mm -hmm. Because the, the majority of people that died at Auschwitz-Birkenau died within hours of arrival. Yeah, very quickly. You know, most of the people were offloaded directly from the trains into the crematoria. Or you know, into the gas chambers, into the crematoria. Especially as the war went on. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so that is, you know, why she is listed as being a martyr. Mm -hmm. However, there there is an issue with that you might find, as a lot of Jewish people dislike that she was called a Catholic martyr. Mm -hmm. However, um, various popes have pointed have pointed out that essentially she is a martyr for both. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, she was Catholic and the way that she dealt with her death was, you know very much in keeping with her Catholic faith, but mm -hmm. she was there because she was Jewish and she never once was like, I'm not Jewish. I'm Catholic. Mm -hmm. It was always, I'm a Catholic who's also Jewish. <laughs> we, the church is the new Israel. Yes. Huh? And so she's, she wasn't one of those ones who were like, I keep Passover, but mm -hmm. she's much like the last, um, woman of faith that we talked about. Mm -hmm. It was very much, this is my culture. These are my people. And I can have this and still be part of the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Simon the Rock Johnson, St. Paul, all 12 apostles, most of the early Christians. We are a Jewish people. Mm -hmm. I mean, they wrote the majority of the Bible. Christianity is the it's the fulfillment <laughs> of the ancient Israelite faith in the Messiah. Yeah. So we, we, we had a, a side discussion of the fact that I looked up and, and read all the stuff about her as St. Edith Stein. I have a thing, as I have a lot of things. A little pet peeve. He's got tons so of many. things. We and should make peeves. a list, but we don't have enough walls. <laughs> Even the ceiling. <laughs> it would make us look crazy if we wrote all of his pet peeves on the wall. That's why I keep them in here. <laughs> anyway. She's almost always referred to as St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Edith Stein. Mm -hmm. Or St. Edith Stein, Teresa Benedict of the Cross. Mm -hmm. In maintaining both names... It makes it really hard to know her by her religious name, whereas most people are known by their religious name. St. Teresa of Calcutta. St. Teresa of Lisieux. Nate takes a somewhat different view. 
Mike is very much of, of, of the seems to be very much of the philosophy that 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 while there wasn't actually there should be considered to have been an ontological change that occurred when she became uh, Saint Teresa Benedicta and there yeah. well, it's not an ontological change but God does change people's names when he changes you know their destiny Simon became Peter yes Abram became Abraham I understand however in general, a person is most well known by what they were called at the time when they were doing the things that they are most well known for. And this is where Nate's got a pretty good argument because she was known as a philosopher as Edith Stein and she only became Teresa Benedicta in the last few years of her life. Mm. Yes, and, and I also think it's probably due to the fact that it's very much that her Jewishness was part of her identity. Sure. And if you see St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, you're like, oh, it's another one of the Teresas. I bet she was a Carmelite. Well, she was. <laughs> You're not wrong, but you know. <laughs> you know, you know Mother, Mother Teresa, the only one who wasn't. I will be a Carmelite. And you shall call, and you can call me Teresa. <laughs> Except for the other five Teresas in the convent. <laughs> uh, no, I, actually, I th- now, now that I think about it, you know, should I get the opportunity at some point in Listen, time later on in my life? Religious sisters can I'll be brother. I'll be, bro- I'll, be bro- I'll be brother Teresa of, of the Discalced Carmelites. I know. On, on Twitter, there's already a brother Teresa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he I, types in all caps. Yes. And, and I know multiple monks that have a guy saint and then Mary or some oh, yeah. variation of. Well, I mean, you, 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 John Vianney. Jean-Marie Vianney. Well, he was French. I just assumed that, you know, oui. it was being French. We. Oui. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Popish Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review us as that will help more people to find the podcast and to join in on the fun. You can contact oh, us at yes. thepopishplot at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitters at thepopishplot. Or you can search for Popish Plot on Facebook. Please rate, review, and we really do enjoy hearing from you. So get in touch. And until next time, as always, remember to live your faith. Love your faith. And share share that love. love.